0: Love, talk radio. Good afternoon, this is Dr. Simon, and my show, as always, is called The Stories We Live By. Um, by the way, uh, if, if anybody from ISEPP wants to call in, click the link that I gave you uh, this morning uh, when I sent out an email, and then the title of the show, uh, The Myth of Mental Health, and uh, you can then call in, give you a number to call in. I didn't give that instruction. Uh, I'm not sure who would call or how many people will call, but let me say that. Today I want to do something uh, a little different on my show, talk about something (coughs) that is at the heart of my book, and one of the main reasons I wrote the book, uh, Psychotherapy and the Stories We Live By, Uh, and that is to talk about what might be, called mental health, the, the so far as I know, and I didn't do a lot of research on this, nobody has ever written a chapter or an article or a book trying to define what mental health might be, uh, to or, or to flesh out the idea of mental health. Um, the, the word is used, mental health, is used uh, when um, people are referred to as having psychological problems and sent to a mental health facility, a mental health clinic. I worked for 25 years in a mental health clinic, uh, or to a mental health practitioner of some type, a psychiatrist, psychologist, social worker, uh, nurse uh, who does psychotherapy or evaluation? And to my knowledge, in any of these places with any of these people, nobody has ever been diagnosed or or defined as being mentally healthy. And a number of reasons for that. Uh, most of the reasons are economic. Somebody who is comes in troubled or unhappy about something and is told. That they are mentally healthy um, doesn't stay for therapy. They may be given a little advice. They may be given some exercises to do, uh, some breathing exercises if if they're anxious. Uh, a discussion, uh, but to get somebody really involved in some form of chemotherapy, uh, psychotherapy, hospitalization, and the like. One has to be diagnosed as mentally ill and having a mental disorder. So there's no money and no prestige in being mentally healthy, although many of the people, and I fall and prey to this, uh, who do therapy will often consider ourselves the mentally healthy one treating the mentally disturbed, mentally ill individual or individuals. So far as I know, nobody has ever really spelled out what they mean by mental uh, health. Now, there's another issue here that that relates to this, why health doesn't get defined. Uh, Even in medicine, it is the absence of illness, of diagnosable illness, that really implies that a person is healthy. Uh, I see my doctor three times a year as an old guy who takes a number of medicines that uh, possibly could cause problems, cause my, my, an illness or disease or death. And we don't ever talk about what I do to keep healthy. We don't talk about my diet. We don't talk about all the exercise I do. And a variety of other things, like this show, which makes me feel useful and purposeful. And one of my definitions, if I put on a list, of what mental health is, a way of living in which an individual, in this case if I'm talking about myself, not only survives but thrives, feels alive, feels purposeful, feels uh, 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 there's a reason to get up in the morning and get out of bed continue relationships, uh, write, do a show, right? Um, but these don't get listed. We don't, get this, we don't have that discussion. The only people I know professionally, and I've said this many times in, in, in different contexts, uh, who deal with trying to define physical health are people who do physical therapy, they start out with a person in trouble and get them to do exercises and, and live in a way where their body can be restored to an actual state of health, which is more than, uh, the an absence of illness. Uh, I, when I, for the eight years I worked in, in, um, clinic in, in, um, uh, retirement homes, um, I, I, I worked with individuals <clears throat> often who were in physical therapy and I worked on them mo- helped them with their motivation and the people I really found to be the least burned out in my profession in, I- in any profession were the physical therapists they start at the point in which a person is in real physical trouble they may have had surgery or they're trying to recover from an accident a broken bone, a torn muscle, and they become really very effective and ingenious in getting them to be able to restore their functioning to a point that was as good as before or maybe often better than before. Um, just recently, I had a long two sessions, uh, two sequences of sessions with a very fine physical therapist. Um, I had developed what's called an IT band syndrome, which is an inflammation of uh, the ligaments, the the, the tissue at the side of your leg that go between the knee and the hip, uh, had become inflamed. And at one point I was actually limping and I was in a lot of pain. Um, And it was diagnosed by uh, uh, an orthopedist who gave me a shot of cortisone. Uh, Because that's the medical model, do something to reduce the symptoms, and to a degree it did. But the moment I went back to playing golf and doing the exercises that aggravated in the first place, uh, it came back. It was the physical therapist who helped me get to a point where I became not only symptom-free, but learned exercises to strengthen and stretch. the the muscles and tissues in my leg to actually be able to deal with and prevent this from happening again. Uh, At my age, it always comes back. Everything comes back when you get old. Uh, But I can deal with it in a very different way. I don't have to run and get a cortisone shot. Um, I know how to deal with it and restore function. And these are the best people. Everybody else I know It doesn't try to define physical health. Health is the absence of illness. And the assumption that somebody is mentally healthy, again, doesn't get discussed. Uh, The assumption is there is really nobody mentally healthy, but people uh, just which particular mental illness or illnesses do they suffer from when I came into the field and I've said this many many times before the idea uh, was that there were maybe 25 diagnostic categories uh, in which people could be placed and and top of the list was depression feelings of depression and hopelessness that may be related to suicidal ideation so you know desires not to live anymore real inabilities to get out of bed uh, in the morning, or, or overread and oversleep to a point where physical health uh, was imperiled, and schizophrenia, which I did on my last broadcast, uh, where somebody was had so altered their view of reality and the way they deal with social relationships that they become uh, not only a bother but frightening to people. Uh, crazy. Uh, and I define the word crazy as saying something or doing something that really is disturbing, even to the person who's doing it, but can't be explained. There's no rational explanation for it. At this point, the system of diagnosing people is out of control. There isn't anything, any behavior that somebody can decide is troubled and troubling, uh, uh, can cause a social problem, an economic problem, an interpersonal problem, uh, a problem with the self, uh, to lower functioning in some unstated optimal way, which would at that point define mental health, uh, in which therapy or some type is not recommended, it might not be recommended. Everybody needs therapy, and I hear that all the time, everybody needs therapy. So, when I wrote this last book, and this is the last book I'll write, I had a number of reasons for writing it, but one of the main reasons was I had asked myself, if mental illnesses aren't illnesses, then what would represent mental health? <clears throat> it's not simply the absence of symptoms. There must be some notion of behavior that can be called mental health recognizing that since the term mental illness is a medicalized moral judgment, it is making a judgment about a behavior that it's wrong, it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't exist, it shouldn't be engaged in, or it's an emotion that's being expressed in a way that the diagnostic person, the person who's saying uh, uh, there's something, a way the emotion is expressed, Uh, that's wrong it shouldn't be expressed that way Uh, some pattern of behavior that is troubling to somebody and therefore becomes an issue of relationship or an issue of functioning and at this point there are over 500 of these terms they just slip away whatever the original mooring was which I believe was really disturbed and disturbing behavior hard to understand why a person uh, would say or do think or feel in the way they were Um, not that it couldn't have been understood but the idea is it, it creates a kind of a problem and defining the problem in medical terms is what created the idea that there was mental illness or mental disorders so what then would be? Well, somebody's here. I don't understand this.
1: Hello. Hello. Hey. Good day, my friend. How are you? Who is this? Uh, this is Bob Eden from the Whit Sunday Islands in Australia.
0: From where? Australia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. well Can you hold on a couple of minutes? I want to continue. Yeah.
1: What yeah, kind I'll of phone us.
0: number is 111,
1: 111 It's I use Google Hangouts. It gives the clearest um, signal for me. Oh, okay. So hang
0: on in Australia okay. because I have to finish developing this idea, and then you could chime in and see where we go with it. Okay.
1: Wonderful. Since, Thank you.
0: Okay, hold on. So. So that when somebody is is mentally ill, it's because they've engaged in a behavior that someone thinks they shouldn't engage in. Which then means that mental health must be behaviors that somebody suggests they should behave in. In other words, it defines some optimal in somebody's point of view, in somebody's value judgments about how people should behave. But it's the same moral uh, uh, notion that creates the idea that it's healthy. Because, again, it has nothing to do with medicine. Medical doctors are no better at saying what people (coughs) should or shouldn't do than they are of saying somebody should behave in this way. And so I set aside, set apart... (coughs) to define mental health in my moral system. But where do I anchor it? Where do I start in saying something is mentally healthy, recognizing that it has nothing to do with health, that my expertise as a psychologist gives me no particular set of, of values that are any better than anybody else's in defining how people should behave? And so when I thought about this, uh, and I had written my book, and I hope that uh, people hearing this will go buy the book. Uh, There's a a, a URL on the description of this, um, because I think it's a very useful book in a lot of ways. Uh, It arms you with an argument against anybody calling you mentally ill ever again and telling them if they do that, they should just go to hell because you're not mentally ill. You're behaving in a way that even you may not want to behave, but you need some understanding. And understanding doesn't come from being called a bad name and then told that the bad name is actually uh, a, 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 an illness, particularly now because all of these illnesses are, are being told that they're a function of some unknown undiagnosable brain chemical problem and you're going to have to take some drug for the rest of your life that, in fact, will do more to damage your brain than, than, than whatever you had there before that can cause any kind of unwanted behavior. So when I wrote the book, I embedded my ideas in politics. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized what I was saying when I started with the political ideas, was that a democracy is really a way of living as opposed to an authoritarian system in which it gives people the best chance to be mentally healthy in the way I conceive of mentally healthy. And that is as follows. I believe that all of us cannot survive or thrive as a human being, and I'll talk a little bit uh, with my guest about what I believe thriving means as a human being, unless we have relationships, and hopefully relationships that are loving, respectful, in which the people within the relationship treat each other as nothing more or nothing less ever than as a human being that no human being should be used as if they're an object for the needs of another human being and what happens in authoritarianism in a hierarchy people are being used by the people below them, above them, and then turning around and using the people below them you're not as good as me as a human being therefore uh, I'll be the boss, and you'll work for me, and I'll make all the money, and you'll have trouble eating. Because you're nobody. You're nothing. Right? It's in the democracy that we have this notion, and it's even in, in, in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that every human being, every human being has the same unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And a little philosophy thrown in here by a 15th century philosopher, German philosopher named Immanuel Kant, who said, no human being should be treated as anything but an end in and of themselves. They're not an object to be used or abused. And so anchoring myself there, I now had the notion we need to be in relationships like that. But at the same time, Each of us is an individual. There are seven billion people on this planet at about this point, and no two have the same fingerprints. They all have fingerprints. Every living, functioning human being has a brain, and when a doctor looks at the brain or or, or a surgeon looks at the brain, all the parts are basically the same across the seven billion physically healthy human beings. With the brain. But what's different in each and every brain is enough that each of us sees the world in a slightly different way. way. And And each each of us has interests and values and needs that can be similar to other people, but in the end makes us unique. And so for me, what evolved and gets described in this chapter is a notion that it's really very hard to live a life unless you can be loving and involved with other people and at the same time a creative, separate individual. Mm. And they can be antagonistic to each other. The need to be part of the group often is in conflict with the need not to be part of the group, but go your own way. And anybody who's ever had children knows The art and the skill of raising kids involves when do you say go do your thing and when do you say you have to be with the family and listen to the way the family says you should do something. And then the means by which you get somebody to comply with the demands of the family. I believe nobody should be abused. I don't believe anybody should be hit. And after fifty years of working with children and adults who have been told all their life they're no good, they shouldn't have been born, that they're disgusting, uh and they internalize that. It makes it very difficult for them to be creative, separate individuals, and at the same time be comfortable with themselves and with other people. So what's your name again, Australia? Yeah, Bob. What's your name? Bob Eden. I can't hear you. Bob. You've muted me. I what? I what? You've got me on mute. I have you on what? I have you on what? I'll call back. Yeah, you. I I Huh? Yeah, I'm not following yeah, you. I'm not following I stu- you. And I'm getting an echo, so I'm hearing myself more than I'm hearing you. Oh, you've dropped. Okay, that's okay. Now, that would have been interesting, but I don't know what that was about. And so um, there's nobody here now, so I'm going to continue to develop some of these ideas, uh, or maybe I'll, uh, I'm not going to end the show within a half hour unless somebody else calls in. Um, the fact is that I really do believe that to thrive in life, not just survive, but to thrive, we have to be find our own path and our own way while simultaneously maintaining uh, uh, useful and good relationships with other people. I don't see another way around it. Um, when somebody becomes disconnected from their relationships uh, when, when they can't function, uh, and they live in a state of loneliness or rage, uh, they, they can be are you he's back? Hello Hello. Can you, hear me? Can you yeah, hear me? what's your name again?
1: Yes, I can. What's your name? Uh, my name is Bob Eden, and I Bob live in the Wits Yeah, and, and there's you a live bit where? of a delay. What, what's, okay. what's your names?
0: My name is Dr. Simon, Lawrence Simon.
1: Larry nice Simon. To, good morning. Uh, good good morning. morning. Well, for me it's,
0: it's good evening.
1: What do you have? For about five
0: o'clock there in the evening.
1: Uh, in the morning? Um,
0: no, it's twenty past six.
1: Oh,
0: okay. Um, Because it's 20 past four here. So tell me, Bob, what do you think about what I'm
1: saying? Well, okay. Um, I'll just share what's present for me, and I'm totally in alignment with um, your message. Um, And if you just let me finish my train of thought, I won't go on too long, but you you can tell me when. No, no,
0: take your time. I've said what I want Um, to say.
1: Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because for me, this message needs to get out there. Um, I had my first panic attack in 1984 and then entered okay. a 20-year cycle of um, psychiatrists, psychologists, counsellors. And over the 20-year period, I took every antidepressant going. And I've got an amazing intellect. Um, and... So I couldn't think my way through it. I couldn't think my way through it. Um, And one day I just sat down and I asked myself this question, Bob, what's the longest relationship you ever had in your life? And the answer was, well, with me. Ergo, I'm the only expert on my life. What am I doing listening to other people telling me there's something wrong with me? So let's sit down with this pain. And me, and for me, the pain of depression was very, very real. Right. So it's a very real pain. Yeah. Please don't interrupt. Um, It breaks my flow. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Um, Yeah. So, so I sat down with this, this pain of depression, and suddenly the light bulb went off. Go ahead. This pain that I'm feeling is just a natural human response to having to live. In such a corrupt and unhuman society. But also, it was a result of me not living my authentic self, no longer believing in myself. And while I was going through this process, I compiled a database of all the antidepressants that I'd taken, and they all have some common factors, and that is they can all produce feelings of anxiety. Uh, depression and suicide, and I thought, well, this is a no-brainer. They don't want they don't want cures. They want customers. So I went cold Good turkey about eight Good years ago and got off got off the medications. And how I got through, how I cured myself from what I call the gift of depression, was by well, the first step was I went back and healed the wounds of my childhood uh, with the help of John Bradshaw, which was transformational work and then I just allowed all of those repressed feelings the feelings I'd swallowed over the years just to come out to vomit you know luckily I was living on my boat at the time it's not the sort of process you want to go through in the supermarket (laughs) yeah but but I got it all out I got it all out and now for me feelings are healings you know it was feeling that got me Beyond um, depression, and for me, right. Um, I've, I've been studying this since since 1984, and there's some interesting facts. Like in all the research I've done, not one psychologist or psychiatrist has ever claimed to have cured anybody. Well, they wouldn't, would they? They'd be out of a job. And, well, there's nothing.
0: Let me just. Yeah. I, I want to throw something in. <coughs>
1: sorry. There's no, nothing go, to go be cured it. here, Bob. Precisely. Precisely.
0: So you can't cure it order. because the whole business that you're sick is bullshit.
1: Yes. I know. Unhappiness.
0: <laughs> is, <laughs> yes. You know now. It took you 20 years.
1: It took me 50. <laughs> yeah, but isn't it great when you find out when you realise that you are you? I am the only expert on my life. That's what's come up for me, and. Also, I believe that we're all Sue, that sovereign, unique and equal and everything else just flows from that. Right. You know, I, I spent the first 40 years of my life chopping off bits of me to fit into society and the way society expected me to behave. And I've gone back over the last 28 years and reclaimed all of those pieces that I chopped off because I now know How? in my How? my heart that. All of me is okay. All of me is Good. okay.
0: Now, now, how are you living differently now? That's what I want to hear about. What are you actually doing with yourself, with other people that's different?
1: Okay. Well, I consciously took ownership of my life. I am master and commander of my life, and I take full responsibility for this life that I do create. And so how? I set my life Give me example. Give me example. <laughs> Okay. well, I set my life purpose to be to simply find my own truth. And how do I know what is my own truth? Whatever resonates with my heart and how my lifestyle is different now. Well, I I haven't had a television, a TV since 1995. Um, I don't own a pair of shoes. Um, I go out dancing naked in the rain. Um, (laughs) And I consciously choose to spread joy. I've worked, I, I've worked as a counsellor. I've worked as a counsellor, and I came to the realization that it's not my job to wake anybody up. And I can't, because everybody's on their own journey. The, I've come to the conclusion that the best thing I can do is to simply let my own light shine. Well, who does it shine upon? Do you have a people? I mean. Everybody I meet. Do you have I any mean.
0: close relationships?
1: I've got my two dogs. Family, <laughs> friends. Uh, I lost, I lost all my family um, through the process of finding me. But my daily routine, when I go into town to do the shopping, and I don't believe in this this um, scam of this. It's just another flu season. But I go into town and people say, "Oh, good day, Bob. How are you today?" And I say, "Well, I'm magnificently stupid today." And it always gets a giggle. Or oh, oh no, I'm just quietly stupid today. I had a really busy day yesterday. <laughs> um, and and also I approach people that are looking down at down in that you know, they've got their chin on their chest and they're shuffling along. And I just approach them and say, Hey, good day, good morning. What a beautiful day, isn't it? And this is my fifty six year as a paid stage performer. So my stagecraft is pretty good, and I've got loads and loads of jokes. So I'll crack a joke. And we'll, we'll Were you a stage talking. performer? Yeah, I'm oh? a retired folk singer. Yeah, I'm a retired a folk, folk singer. You're Oh, yeah, if, and that's is there an any ox- way I
0: can hear your music sometime or somewhere?
1: Yeah, if you give me your email address, I'll send you the links and you can download my latest CD for free. But um, what was I saying? Yeah, so... The dialogue that I engage with with these people, you know, instead of them wandering around with their chin on their chest, they walk away with a little grin on their face and a skip in their step. Right. Just from the energy that I am radiating. You know, so I reckon that if I make one person smile every day, I've done a good day's work. And that's, I'm retired now, so my my time is my own. (laughs) How do you live economically? Um, Can I ask that? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a retired, so I'm on a pension. I I traveled around Australia for 10 years in a combi as a folk singer, and which was very good training for becoming retired because you learn to live on very, very little money. But my life is abundant. My life, you know, I've probably got $50 in the bank, but I'm probably the richest bloke I know. I'm the... I lost my boat to Cyclone Debbie three years ago and that was oh. everything I owned. My, I lived on a yacht. And, and you lost it, to what, it was, to a storm? Yeah, Cyclone Debbie, a Category 5 cyclone came through here in 2017 oh. and picked up my home and threw it at the land. And so I lost everything. Wow. But, but the lesson I learned from that People said, oh, Bob, you've lost everything. You've, why are you still so so up? And I said, well, I've just learned a really valuable lesson. And they said, what's that? I said, totally let go of the attachment to things. I'd saved my two dogs and my sense of humor, and I reckon I paid a fair price for learning such a valuable lesson. And now I'm living in well. an old caravan caravan for, that I bought for 400 bucks under a mango tree up in the Whitsunday Islands, I don't own a pair of shoes. <laughs> you ever get lonely? No, me, myself, and I, we're never lonely. I'm content okay. with me. I'm content okay. with me.
0: Well, I have yeah. to say you are a very interesting person, <laughs> and I love talking to you. By the way, I, I i would love to hear your music, but I don't give out my, my email address. There are a lot of people who... who when you go public with something personal, can make you miserable. When this show is okay, over about an hour later, it'll be archived. Yeah. Okay? And if you yeah, know go that. on the show, you'll see there's a place you could leave me a message. At the Are bottom. you on
1: Facebook? I'm on Facebook,
0: too. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. How about
1: we friend up on Facebook? I'm Bob Eden, okay. E-D-E-N. I'm saying, Bob. What's the what's the name again? The last name. Eden. Eden,
0: like Eden as in of... the
1: Garden of Eden. That's the one. That's the one.
0: <laughs> Actually,
1: it's like you're living in the Garden of Eden now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have created my own Garden of Eden. Good for the you. Funny, the other thing that I I just like to close with. Uh, um. As master and commander of my life, I thought, well, as a spiritual being, how do I want to experience this life as as a physical being? And so I set my own conscious life intention, which is I am here to have a gentle, joyful, loving, healthy and abundant life. And that I am here to have is my direct command to the universe, but it's also my address to the universe. And that is precisely okay. how my life is unfolding. It's okay, magical. one more question. One yeah, more question, perfect. Bob. Do you miss yeah. singing? Do um, you miss sing singing you publicly? Um, um, not really, no, because I've moved more to writing. I've. Um, yeah, I'm writing my own book called um, The Gift of Depression, My Little Scrapbook. And I'm um, writing lots of um, other stuff. So, okay. but you know, everything has its age. Well, if you ever age, publish you know. it, if you ever publish
0: it, I promise
1: I'll, I'll buy it and read it. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. That's one sale yeah. I've got. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you can help me sell my
0: book. Let people, if you know, because uh, I think you would really like my book. I really think you do. I think you enjoy the show. You like what we're talking about?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's... I've noticed within Western society that the bigger the lie, the more more people believe in it. But for me, That's there true. is no We such all
0: live according to stories, and most of the stories <laughs> that we get trapped in are bullshit.
1: Well, there is no such um, thing as mental illness. It's a right... No, no such thing. No. It's a spiritual right... Writer. There's no such
0: thing as mental illness.
1: Just behavior
0: that somebody doesn't like or want, and now has been called with this, these crazy medical names, and the, everybody has bought into it. And the worst part is that when I first came into the field fifty years ago, very few people were given drugs, and children would never ever be put on those dr- on drugs. And now, the minute a kid is unhappy, not doing well in school, give him the pills. And it's a disaster, Bob. It's an absolute terrible disaster.
1: It's legalized murder. That's what it is. Yeah, I agree with it's you. It's legalized murder.
0: Yes. It's the murder of the soul and the murder of the body. It's a tragedy, every second, Bob.
1: Every 40 seconds, somebody dies because of depression. That's 800,000 a year. That's Now, that's what I call a pandemic.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, you know what? I love talking to you, but I'm going to end the show. It's almost cocktail time, not quite.
1: Um, That's a bit early for me.
0: (laughs) Well, a little early for you. It's actually a little (laughs) early for me, too. Uh, I usually wait a little longer. But uh, it's been a pleasure, a pleasure to talk with you. And I think after talking to you, I'm going to do a second um, show called The Myth of Mental Health part two. I'll set that up, uh, and and uh, I'll say some more things, and hopefully someone as interesting and, and as uh, terrific as you will call in and, and uh, talk with me.
1: So what's your Facebook name?
0: What's my Facebook name? Jesus. You
1: know what? I'll just search for uh, Jesus, then.
0: No, 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 no. That was a I'm Jewish, you can't find me that way.
1: That's all right, okay. I've got a crazy situation. No, hold on a
0: second, let me look at Facebook, <laughs> and I'll tell you what my Facebook name is. Okay, here, wait. De-de-de-de-de. I'd like to be friends with you. Um, let's me see. Let's see, where is it? My Facebook name is Lawrence Simon. L A U R E N C E S I M O N.
1: L A U Lawrence R
0: E N C E S I M O N. And what's yours, Bobby? Okay,
1: Lawrence, I got you. I got you, mate. Eh? I'll find you. I'll find you now. What? And yours is what, Bob Eden? Yeah. Okay, I'll look
0: up Bob Eden. Okay. Okay, and, mate. Till we chat again bye for taking my bye